you turn in your Bibles to Proverbs chapter 2, that's where we're going to be today. Let me read these words for us. My son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments with you, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding, yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, if you seek it like silver and search for it as for hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk in integrity, guarding the paths of justice and watching over the way of his saints. Then you will understand righteousness and justice and equity, every good path. For wisdom will come into your heart and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. Discretion will watch over you. Understanding will guard you, delivering you from the way of evil, from men of perverted speech, who forsake the paths of uprightness to walk in the ways of darkness, who rejoice in doing evil and delight in the perverseness of evil, men whose paths are crooked and who are devious in their ways. So you will be delivered from the forbidden woman, from the adulteress with her smooth words, who forsakes the companion of her youth and forgets the covenant of her God. For her house sinks down to death and her paths to the departed. None who go to her come back, nor do they regain the paths of life. So you will walk in the way of the good and keep to the paths of the righteous. For the upright will inhabit the land and those with integrity will remain in it. But the wicked will be cut off from the land and the treacherous will be rooted out of it. Would you pray with me? Father, we come before your word today, calling out for understanding, calling out for wisdom, calling out for insight, as this passage directs us to do. We ask that by the power of your spirit that you would teach us this morning, that you would be king here, that we would submit ourselves to you, Lord, we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're continuing our our little short series on the book of Proverbs. And you may recall that these opening chapters, they act as kind of a prelude or an overview of wisdom and the quest for wisdom. And the writer is taking on the moniker of a father passing on advice to his sons of how to live rightly, considering what advice a young man needs to live a good life. And the time that this was written, the quest for wisdom was the highest journey one could take. Wise people were revered. They were sought out for advice from their achievements, from their wealth, from their influence. And this is true in our day as well. We seek out those who have a platform, and we want to know of their success. How did they make their first million? What are the practices of highly effective individuals? How did you grow from such humble beginnings starting this company out of your garage? And if you scroll through Facebook or Twitter or Instagram, 
There's constantly these posts from people that they set this video to some driving symphonic music and they're giving you words of inspiration and motivation, dropping truth bombs on you, telling you to get out there and work, go achieve, go and succeed. And the subtext of all of these things is, and then you'll be happy. And then you'll be fulfilled. And then you will be satisfied. I want you to see that in chapter 2 here, biblical wisdom takes a subversive approach to the worldly wisdom. Because true wisdom is not measured in book sales. True wisdom is not found in the number of followers and the size of platform. True wisdom is not measured in material gain. True wisdom is found in right living. Events over the past few years have taught us these exact same things. With this great reckoning of powerful men in America that are forced to deal with their hidden misconduct. And some of it we so easily write off, we're like, oh yeah, politicians, well, I assume they're a bunch of liars and hypocrites anyway. Hollywood? Oh, they've been having, it's been coming for them for a long time, right? But what about pastors? What about trusted leaders? Men look to for their godly wisdom. Leaders of the biggest churches, large platforms, material and and social success, them too? And we still have the audacity to think, if they have such great influence and success, well, they must have godly wisdom, right? No. Biblical wisdom is not measured in this way. True wisdom is found in right living. And the focus of today's passage is treasuring the wisdom of God, seeking after it, searching diligently for wisdom. If we treasure wisdom, we will know God. We will be shielded from evil, and we will walk securely with him. One of the ways that Hebrew poetry works is by using parallel statements to reveal an emphasis. And so it will state the same thing in multiple ways, using similar words, and it builds this emphasis through repetition. And we see it in these opening words, verses 1 through 6 here. My son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments with you, making your ear attentive to wisdom, inclining your heart to understanding... Yes, if you call out for insight, raise your voice for understanding. If you seek it like silver, search for it as for hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. These opening words are drawing parallels between commandments and wisdom and understanding, insight and knowledge. And these words are interrelated And they round out what is required for skillful living. It seems a popular idea that if if you just pick up the Bible, then you're going to know how to live. As though it's just a set of instructions or a rule book that you just have to follow in order to live rightly. Now, we do have commands in Scripture. We do have instruction in Scripture. But any person could easily point out that there is far too much that the Bible never speaks on. The easiest example being that the Bible is quite silent on technology and the ethics of computer use, right? (laughs) So does this mean that God just missed it? 
Is it all just out of date and irrelevant? We need to understand this. God never intended to address every experience, every situation we might find ourselves in. In fact, most of our life is spent in the gray areas, in the places of ambiguity, as sometimes seeming like there is no right or wrong. God's intention is for us to live by wisdom, not merely by rules and regulations, but by understanding, insight, skillful practice. Just consider the fact that our Bible has a whole section devoted to wisdom. Not only the Proverbs, but the Psalms and Job, the Song of Solomon, Ecclesiastes. These writings give insight on how we are to live godly lives in what is usually mundane, unexciting, repetitious, a regular kind of existence. And as the passage points out, if we devote ourselves to seeking godly wisdom, then we will know God. Look again at verses 4 through 7. If you seek it like silver and search for it as for hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk in integrity. There is a conditional statement here that says, if we seek it, then we will find it. Jesus gives us the same wisdom in the Sermon on the Mount where he says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and the one who seeks finds and the one who knocks, it will be opened. We get these reminders to seek, to pursue, to go after it. And we get these reminders because in our natural state, we are not inclined to seek wisdom. In the case of Jesus' words, we are not naturally inclined to seek God's kingdom. We need this call to pursue wisdom because in our natural state, we are inclined towards complacency. Complacency is the enemy of wisdom, and thereby, it is the enemy of knowing God. I want you to look at the verses that are leading up to this passage, so chapter 1, verses 32 and 33. For the simple are killed by their turning away, and the complacency of fools destroys them. But whoever listens to me will draw secure and will be at ease without dread of disaster. Complacency is saying, I'm fine as I am. I know enough in myself. I know enough about God. I'm satisfied with the state of my life. I don't need to go deeper. I don't need more reflection. I don't want to put in the effort, I'm good how I am. And the call to all of us this morning is cut the act. Enough of that show. We have all been fools. I've been a fool this very week, even probably this morning. In fact, I wrote probably in my notes, I've definitely been a fool this morning now that I've been here with you. I know in my heart that I am this hard-headed kind of idiot that thinks if I'm good enough and I'm smart enough on my own, and when that arrogance wells up inside of us, we have these verses here to say, boy, are you on shaky ground. Your complacency will destroy you. 
But if you listen, if you submit yourselves to the Lord, then you will dwell secure. I want you to hear that good news in there. If we are willing to humble ourselves, if we are willing to say, God, I am so foolish, I am inclined to trust in myself, I am inclined to think that I know the best way, I'm tempted to believe that I know better than you, I'm tempted to lecture you in my own heart about the way that life should go. If we are willing to humble ourselves and confess this foolishness before God, he will give us wisdom. Can you believe that? The God of the universe who knows our foolishness and his desire isn't to write us off, but instead if we seek his wisdom, he will give it to us. Just like that. Free of charge. Not only that, he will change us. As the Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. He will not leave us as fools. If we encounter God, if we revere him, treasure him, seek after him, he will make us fools wiser than any wisdom that this world has to offer. And that is amazing. But if we're not careful, our hearts will try to use this godly wisdom for shameful material gain. So let us remind our hearts that godly wisdom is not in book sales and platform. Godly wisdom is in godly living. Godly living comes from treasuring godliness. And godliness comes from God himself. Your best life now has nothing to do with material possessions, increased influence, and blessings that you claim over your life. The best life is fearing God, diligently seeking him, humbling yourself before him, so that in the end, the treasure that you gain, it can't be measured by worldly means because the treasure is God himself. We must become like treasure seekers. Consider being on a beach vacation. You're enjoying the sunshine, the soothing sound of the crashing waves, the sand between your toes. You're relaxing on the beach and you see this guy is carrying a long black stick with a frisbee on the end. And he's combing the beach. He's looking for metal, right? He's looking for metal that might reveal hidden treasures. This dude has miles of beach to cover and he's going about six inches a second. What a fool. How silly is he? He could be enjoying the beach, but instead, he's just there looking for treasure. But you know, if there is treasure to be found out there, he's the one that's going to find it. If I resign to sit still, I will only get the treasures that are within arm's reach. And just sitting on the blanket, the treasure is probably going to be limited to a broken seashell, a dirty diaper, and probably a cigarette butt. I will not find true treasure unless I get up and seek after it. Let us not grow complacent. May we not be so satisfied in ourselves. 
How long will we enjoy being simple, says Proverbs, when there is an unsearchable depth of wisdom waiting for us? The treasure trove of knowledge and understanding is waiting for us if only we would search for it. If we look, if we ask, if we knock, God will give it. So let us diligently give ourselves over to Him that we may know Him, that we may treasure Him. Knowing God is of the utmost importance and it is the greatest gain. And this wisdom also carries with it great protection from certain ruin in life. If we treasure godly wisdom, we will be shielded from evil. Let's take a look at verses 6 through 15 here. For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk in integrity, guarding the paths of justice and watching over the way of his saints. Then you will understand righteousness and justice and equity, every good path. For wisdom will come into your heart and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. Discretion will watch over you. Understanding will guard you, delivering you from the way of evil, from men of perverted speech who forsake the paths of uprightness to walk in the ways of darkness, who rejoice in doing evil and delight in the perverseness of evil, men whose paths are crooked and who are devious in their ways. A hallmark of walking with godly wisdom is understanding justice, righteousness, and integrity. If we claim to know God, we should have greater understanding of right and wrong. The point of this is not so that we would simply have a morality that we're training the rest of the world in, but we should also have a greater nuance and a a greater insight to be able to distinguish good from evil. And in this passage, the understanding of justice and righteousness is closely tied to being delivered from men of perverted speech, men who rejoice in doing evil, who are crooked and devious in their ways. The temptation for all of us is to disregard wisdom in order to curry the favor of those with influence, the men and women that follow wicked paths. This is a great burden that Christians carry, and so often we buckle under the weight of this burden. Those of you that are in school, you you might feel the pressures to downplay your moral convictions in hope of acceptance by a popular crowd. You may even give in to the sins of your peers out of fear that you're going to be gossiped about or disinvited from social gatherings. And even into adulthood, there's that ever-present lie from Satan that we're going to show our friends, our co-workers, and our neighbors, I can be a cool Christian. I can be a relevant Christian. I am going to be a non-judgmental Christian. And all it takes is compromising on godly wisdom and your moral convictions. Maybe you would be up for certain promotions if only you were willing to blur some ethical lines. How often in scandals do we find the people were unwilling to hold leaders accountable because their success was tied up in the success of the leader? And then wrapped up in all of this is the temptation for Christians to be relevant politically. Godly wisdom should lead us to call out sin as sin, evil as evil, and good as good 
regardless of the convictions of our political party. Good and evil exist in every political party. And as Christians, we need to engage politics with wisdom. And this means calling out good and evil and not blurring the lines in order to get our agenda through. Godly wisdom delivers us from perverted speech, from the ways of darkness, the perverseness of evil, and it does this by preserving our integrity above influence. Integrity above pleasure. Integrity above success. The thing about it is, integrity might lose us political influence in America. Integrity very well might be the ruining of your social life. It might be the cap on your salary. It might be the limit to your upward mobility in your company. But as Proverbs 19.1 says, better is a poor person who walks in his integrity than one who is crooked in speech and is a fool. Walking with God, knowing God, is to be treasured above all things. And in the end, crooked ways will be found out, and they will lead to ruin. Pursuing wisdom is a shield against evil, because when we treasure godliness... We know that we treasure what is good. But if the world doesn't treasure godliness, we should not expect to receive worldly rewards. Instead, our integrity might be met with mockery, with ridicule, and with scorn. But if we walk with God, if we will know God, and we will rest secure with God. If we're diligent to seek after godly wisdom, it will also act as a shield against sexual immorality as it says in verses 16 through 19. Let me read those. So you will be delivered from the forbidden woman, from the adulteress with her smooth words, who forsakes the companion of her youth and forgets the covenant of her God. For her house sinks down to death, her paths to the departed. None who go to her come back, nor do they regain the paths of life. If we pursue godly wisdom, we will be less likely to listen to the wisdom of our fallen flesh. The voice that says, it's okay to take a lingering glance. The voice that says, it's okay because I would never act on it. The voice that pushes harder and convinces you that no one would find out, or you deserve this, or if only my spouse loved me in this way. Godly wisdom will train us to treasure God and seek to please Him above pleasing ourselves. Godly wisdom gives us the insight into the path of adultery. The temptation comes in smooth and convincing words, but the path to her house sinks down to death and destruction. And some of you have experienced this pain personally in your own family, maybe in your own marriage, or in that of a friend. The path of adultery is a path of destruction. It brings about ruin to marriage and families. It only brings about death. And as Christians, we know the moral commandment. We know the commandment to not commit adultery. But godly wisdom allows us to bolster that commandment, to discern the end of that path, so that we would never even dream of walking down to it because of what would happen. Wisdom shields us by giving a sober reality to the evils of sin. And once again, 
It is the complacency of fools that destroys them. By insisting upon going your own way, listening to your own wisdom, you put down your defenses and you welcome disaster into your life. Let us not be foolish. Let us not think that we are above the temptations to please others and to gain status. Let us not think that it could never be us tempted into adultery. Instead, let us diligently seek godly wisdom. Let us call out for insight. Let us treasure it like silver. By this, we have a shield for our path, and we walk securely. Let's read verses 20 through 22. So you will walk in the way of the good and keep to the paths of the righteous. For the upright will inherit, inhabit the land, and those with integrity will remain in it. But the wicked will be cut off from the land, and the treacherous will be rooted out of it. Wisdom not only holds us back from what is bad, but most importantly, it leads us to what is good. In our temptations and, and maybe the mockery that comes from wicked people, there's this idea that God just doesn't want us to have any fun. He's holding us back. Doesn't he want us to be happy? And wisdom is knowing that God knows of a happiness that we can hardly dream about. And he's guarding us from settling for such temporary, fleeting pleasure and pointing us and guarding us to eternal joy. And we would be such fools to settle for the pleasures of this life. And these verses remind us that for the good, there is an eternal inheritance. But the wicked are cut off from that. For the people of Israel, the land is the location of God's chosen people. To be in the land is to be in the presence of God. To be cut off or rooted out from it is to be away from God's presence. This land is fulfilled in Revelation when Jesus returns and he makes the new heavens and the new earth where he dwells with his people for eternity. True wisdom is the path to that eternal blessedness. Through the pains and the sorrows of this broken life, it is that future that sustains our hopes, that inheritance that is unfading, imperishable. It is a sure thing. And when we find godly wisdom, we are finding breadcrumbs to that eternal kingdom. And if that eternal kingdom is our treasure, then by wisdom, we are bringing that kingdom into our present reality. The end of this chapter is far more than a reminder of be good or else. This is a beholding of what lies before us. This is a reminder that as we walk in wisdom, we walk in the company of the eternal kingdom, the good, the upright, the righteous. And by wisdom, the view of that kingdom becomes clearer to us. If that kingdom is our treasure, then wisdom will keep us on the path to that kingdom. It does, however, come with a warning. If you insist on going your own way, you will be cut off. If you just want to take bits of wisdom from the Bible, some from the New Age, maybe check out what Buddhism has to offer, you do not have the promised inheritance. If all of your foolishness has not caught up to you in this life, you will not escape it into the next. 
But the good news remains. Wisdom is calling out to you. Wisdom is crying out in the streets. If you hear the call and respond with humility, the Lord will transform your foolishness and lead you on the path of righteousness. So I urge you, receive these words. Make your ear attentive. Call out for insight. Say, Lord, take me in all my foolishness, all of my selfishness, my ignorance. Give me true understanding and lead me to the everlasting inheritance. And we know that he hears our cries and he delights to transform us. If we are diligently seeking godly wisdom, we can rest assured that we walk on the stable path. We walk on that secure path, the path of eternal inheritance. God freely gives wisdom to all who seek. But let us not neglect his wisdom because of the ease with which it can be obtained. We have the words of God breathed out from his mouth. It's, it's in our books. It's on our phones. We can search every word. We can look at many translations. We have a wealth of understanding through 2,000 years of church history. We have all of this so readily at our disposal, and yet the hardest thing to do is actually pick it up, read his word, and submit ourselves to his teaching. We have a beach full of treasures We just need to leave our blanket. We are far too easily pleased. We easily settle for lesser things. So let us reject complacency and eagerly pursue the treasure that lies before us. Let us search diligently for wisdom. Let us come to the beaches searching for every nugget, every clue, every breadcrumb of his kingdom. Let us make his words our treasure. For when we do, we have a shield to protect us. We have a secure path. And then we will find the knowledge of God. Would you pray with me? Thank you, Lord, for your patience, for your faithfulness, and for your grace to us. And God, would you hear the cry of our hearts today, the hearts that are inclined towards you, hear our call out of our own foolishness and into the blessed inheritance that we have in you. Would you transform our lowly, foolish hearts and minds and make us wise, God. Lead us on that path of wisdom. We ask in Jesus' name, amen.